Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Hello, welcome to round 14 of TKO here on Joe together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and YouTube show and we'll be with you every Thursday. Very, very pleased to say that our guest on the show today is a man of many talents. He's one of the top strength and conditioning experts in the sport of boxing, a nutritional advisor and, of course, world-famous cut man, uh, Kerry Kays. Thank you for making the journey down to come and see us. Thanks for having me. So you guys have been working together a little bit since you've been with Jamie Moore. Yeah. Uh, has done your corner for cuts? Yeah, yeah. So when I linked up with Jimmy, um, Carrie is the cut man that Jimmy uses. I don't think I'd ever met you, really, no, beforehand. Never. I don't think I've been cut. Maybe a little nick. It was a nick because we used glue, remember, right. to put you together. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot more to being a cutsman than fixing cuts. You've got to control lumps and bumps yeah. and, and scrapes. So you've been roughed up a couple of times. You, that last night against Warrington. Against Garcia as well. Well, against Warrington, my head was <laughs> gone. Yeah, that's a management job for you, yeah. Just one big ice pack, presumably. Um, I don't know where to start, Kerry, because there's so much to talk about. We'll come on to, to all of these things. But your background, you were a bodybuilder in the 90s, British yeah. champion, of, yeah. in fact. So your, your love of S&C and nutrition began around that time or before that? I was always interested in um, boxing as well because I used to train at Collier's, believe it or not, uh, years and years before Gomez or any of them trained there. And uh, I actually uh, got my black belt at uh, Shotokan Karate under the JKA, Japanese Karate Association. And I actually fought on one of the first full contact fights in Liverpool, and a boxer beat me. But it was it was a boxer's environment, gloved up and all that, you know what I mean? So I learned a big lesson and uh, started training at Collier. So I've always been interested in boxing and the fight game as well. So you moved into bodybuilding that by accident, or was that a conscious No, because decision? I, I, had, um, I had to have surgery on my lower back. And as Carl will tell you, in boxing, you, you're spinning a lot on your lower back. And I, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do karate anymore. But in bodybuilding, you're in control of your training. You know, you can go to something and go, I can't do that because it hurts me back. And you can do something else. So you can change your training to suit injuries. Mm. Where in boxing, you can't do that. Yeah. That's so, so that's how I got into bodybuilding. And I guess with that comes the, with bodybuilding comes the cut that moves you towards stage day and yes. you're at your driest your leanest yeah. carrying as much lean muscle as possible yeah. to present the ultimate look yeah. for, for the judges well well as I, I, the way i got into boxing was billy graham ricky's trainer his brother joe graham god rest his soul he's dead now he was a strength athlete as well so joe knew me and i knew joe and billy used to listen to joe about strength work for boxing so Billy Graham got in touch with me and he said, I've got this young prospect that I think might do something in boxing. I'd like you to do a bit of uh, help me with him. And he was called Ricky Atten. Wow. <laughs> so, it, you know, so Billy was right. So I got into doing a bit of nutrition into the boxing world with Ricky. That's cool. I mean, I feel as if nutrition, strength and conditioning is something that boxing has played catch-up with in terms of professional sports. Do you feel as if the last sort of 10 years or so that it's, it's caught up or is it still I think I think it's probably still a bit further behind than, than what it should be. And only guys like Kerry know what they're talking about in nutrition, but you've, you've boxers who are still making weight wrong, even at the very high level, even though they've had the advice and they, they kind of half know they're cheating themselves to make the weight, but I don't know why they do it, but they do it. As I've got older, I've kind of, at this stage of my career, I've taken things a lot more seriously. Like my nutrition is always on point for 
camps for 12 weeks, I'm pretty strict because I have to be. But before, I was cheating. But Carrie comes into the gym every now and again and, and would sit down and speak to us about about nutrition and, and the key aspects of it. And there's not a lot of clever boxers around. Mm. Dunderheads, as I would call them. Gets that word in every show. <laughs> it's full of them. And um, <laughs> and Carrie can speak to you in layman's terms and just explain it. And um, it's great to have that at, at your access, really. So from all of your experience, you go and do seminars, you work with loads of different boxers, all different levels. Where's the biggest gap in knowledge with regards to S&C and nutrition as far as you can see it at the moment? In bodybuilding, 80 to 90% of the sport is nutrition. Yeah. It's quite easy to lift weights, and there's not a lot of skill, is there, in moving your arm like that. There's, you know what I mean? There's not a lot of skill, but there's a lot of dedication in bodybuilding. So a bodybuilder will know that if you don't have the right nutrition, the muscles won't grow, because you've got to understand that all forms of training, boxing, rugby, bodybuilding, is trauma to the body. You know, you're doing trauma to the body and you're doing that so the body can adapt and get fitter, faster or stronger. But in between trauma and adaptation, you've got recovery and the body can't adapt unless it's recovered. And it ca- the muscles cannot recover without nutrients. And that's as simple as it is. You've got your basic breakdown of nutrients, you've got your macros and you've got your micros. But do, you, do you think, I mean, a lot more fighters will know about the basics these days but how at what point do you think the turning point was that nutrition and snc programs started to become an accepted part of every boxer's well, training program if i could indulge myself and yeah. sound big-headed and i'm not meaning beheaded when it was well documented that ricky used to come in the gym at about 14 stone and he had to fight at 10 stone and i, and I used to get it off him at least twice a year how, how long did it take to get the weight, the, the bulk of the well, weight off him. as Billy says, the first six weeks of Ricky's training was about trying to get some weight off as opposed to doing skill work, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then um, Ricky had three fights once in 14 months and I took off him nearly 13 stone and he only fought at 10 stone. Wow. So I think a lot of people became aware that, hang on a minute, there's something in this nutrition thing. You know that makes I mean? me feel so much better. Like, <laughs> nothing, like 14 stone to fight a 10 stone. Yeah. I'm, I'll not tell you what where I am at the minute, but I frightened myself a wee bit. Cost, when fif- I on, cost 15 for yeah, it. When I got on the scales the other day, I frightened myself a little bit, but... I'm feeling a lot better. You're the right way. You're just not tall enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm feeling better knowing that Hatton used to lose four stones. Four and a half stones was the worst. Four and a half stones was the worst. Essentially half his body weight on fight yeah, night. Honestly. Yeah. And um, he enjoyed it. it was the, and you know a lot of people say if, it, if he'd have done it more professional, would he have had a longer career? He might have done, but he wouldn't have had the career he had because he was everyone's mate and yeah. everyone loved him. And he, that was that was almost his brand. Mm. <laughs> so you have to take into account that individual's choice to, to balloon up or to stay yeah, strict but, in between. Well, you, you don't live with them, do you? You can no. only advise them. Yeah, that's very true. So take me through a rough outline of like a, a plan for a fighter's camp because obviously you, there is a sort of a bit of a misnomer where people think 
the less carbs you eat, the more weight you're going to lose. But in those early stages of the camp, you need those carbs and that, that carbs, those extra carbs macros are to very fuel. Important. Carbs are very, very important because what you've got to understand, your body needs carbohydrates to make sugar. We've all heard of blood glucose. Your body needs sugar. And if your blood glucose levels drop, you go hyperglycemic, you go into a coma, and the worst-case scenario, you go to zero, you'll die. You'll die. So if you're not eating carbohydrates... Your body can't make sugar, glucose, and it can't make glucose from body fat. It mm. cannot make it. So the body will go into a process called gluconeogenesis where it will make sugar from muscles. So what happens is if you don't eat carbs, your body will be using muscles to make sugar. Talk to me about the, the process of then working towards a fight night. If you've got a fighter that says, how, how much would you say you lose in a 10-week camp? Roughly. Well, I do a, a camps a little bit longer, 12 weeks, I like, because I've always done that. I'd probably lose a stone and a half. Okay. So, from start to finish. Uh, so, y- would you look to stagger that weight loss? And well, uh, first of all, I, I mean, I don't do hands on anymore with boxers. I just do corners now because that's what I've chose to do in my life. But if you, if you want to do it properly, you've got to understand all nutrients are energy and we use energy. And there's two ways you can do it you can eat less energy. Or you can use more energy. And you've got to understand that a lot of boxers go into camp and they start using a lot more energy. So all of a sudden, they're on a good side of of, of the energy equation. And then a lot of boxers, and I think I've certainly taught you guys, don't eat enough micronutrients. And micronutrients are in charge of all metabolic reactions in the body. So a lot of times, the macronutrients, protein, carbs and fats, they might be correct but they're not losing weight because they've not got enough micronutrients, vitamins and minerals, you know, your five a day, to metabolise those macronutrients. You know what I mean? A lot of boxers don't or didn't drink enough water. So we're talking, what, six to eight litres a day, would you say? No, it's it's getting exaggerated water now. I honestly believe three litres to four litres. Mm. Even for a boxer that's sweating a lot yeah, during well, training in the as summer, well? in the summer, definitely four litres. But three litres would be adequate. But you can drink as much water as you want because, yeah. you know, you can go ridiculous and that gets dangerous, but you're talking 20, 30 litres there. Right, okay. You know what I mean? But you can drink as much water as you want because there's no calories in water. There's no yeah, energy in water. Yeah. You know? I used to be afraid of water when I was a yeah, kid most... because you were afraid of the scales. Yeah. And if I drink 500 mils of water and stand the scales, I'm going to be a pound heavier yeah. than I was before the bottle of water. I was, I think when I was a kid, I was, as a boxer, in a constant state of dehydration. But there's a clue in the name, isn't there, if you think about it? Carbohydrate. Mm. Carbs need water. Yeah. Okay, so the seven days out then. The aim, of course, for, for a bodybuilder is to, to look as good on stage as possible, even if that means feeling a bit a bit rough on the oh, day. Oh, the most unhealthiest person in the venue is the, the fella on stage. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> but for a boxer, obviously, you have to take into account the fact that they've got to perform to an elite athlete level whilst kind of making, you know, coming down in a calorie deficit, yeah. doing all those things. You have a kind of a, a seven-day, well, fight week protocol. Yeah. Is that right? Well, yeah, well, don't, don't eat red meat. Red meat can stay in your in your system for 72 hours, you know, in your intestines. So you don't want something in your intestines, you know what I mean? You can take things to make you go to the toilet, you know, fibre gel. Go to the chemist, buy some fibre gel. Yep. It'll clean your system out because you don't want waste in your system that makes you weather. Do you understand what I mean? Do you lose nutrients with that as well? No, no, because it's already in, it's already in the bottom of your intestines. It's right. been, the nutrients have been stripped. You can take some vitamin C, vitamin C every two hours, a gram of vitamin C. 
It's non toxic, but it's um, it's water soluble. So if you overload on vitamin C, it's almost a natural diuretic. You know what I mean? You must keep your water up. Come the last week of the fight, if you start cutting your water out slowly because you want to make weight earlier, then the body will recognise that you're cutting water out and it will hold on to water. So if you keep your water to maybe three, four litres right up to the day before the weigh-in and then just stop your water, your body will carry on urinating and sweating. It won't realise you've stopped the water. You're always tricking your body. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can probably go to bed and wake up the next morning three, possibly four pounds lighter. You can have a hot bath. That'll get rid of a couple of pounds. If you're hot... The biggest... Hardest thing to, to make weight with water is if you've been dehydrated before you yeah, do yeah. it, innit? Yeah. I've started only the last few camps water loading, so you really have to trust like the protocol to it because you're drinking a lot of water. Quite scary last week, and you're and you're like pretty heavy and you're like, oh, but you're full of water. But then when you cut it out the day before the weigh in, you continue to piss and flush it out and you do the weight. And the thing with water loading for me is I don't know if you agree with it or not, Carrie, but the thing, you're hungry the last week, the week before weighing, but if you're full of water, you're not, you're not as hungry. Absolutely, your stomach's you're not, full. Yeah, you're, not, you're not thinking of food all the time. You know, you remember, a two-litre bottle of water weighs four pounds. So if, he, if he's drinking four litres, mm. you know what I mean? It's like, what you know, yeah. <laughs> it's frightening yeah, almost. Yeah. It fills you up. So let's take somebody like uh, Darren Till. I don't know if you've watched that. They're quite a famous video that did the rounds about the, the process he went through to make weight. I mean, it's quite... I've not seen it. No. You've seen it, right? I've seen it, yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on it, first of all? I think it was mad how he was doing it. First of all, it was the day before the weigh-in and the day of the weigh-in, the morning of the yeah. weigh-in, I think. Like, they were doing, like... Some of the stuff they were doing was pretty high-intensity stuff. He was in the sauna as well. Then after that, he was crawling out of the sauna. Rounds of pads in between. Yeah. Completely out of gas. I, I think it was just... I know what it's like to make weight. And you, when I'm doing it, and I'm in a sauna suit, I like to do very little. Skipping, walking, but staying warm. And then sitting down in the heat. I don't like to exert myself. So, in my opinion, it looked like they were doing it a little bit wrong. But there's a question I wanted to ask you, Carrie. Like when guys like Darren Till who come down from so much, is a day and a half enough? No, no it's chance. Not, enough. not a chance. Not a chance. And you, you'll find, and I've experienced this, if a boxer loses a lot of weight, mm. he'll be good for four, five, yeah, six yeah, rounds. Yeah. It'll just go out. Like Tony, Tony Bellew. Yeah. Um, look how well he was doing for the first five, six rounds. He'd come down from 17, 18 stone. Mm. Look yeah. at Jamie when he fought Ryan yeah. Rhodes. The mm-hmm. bottle just falls out of them. I've actually said to managers and promoters, look, if this fight goes into the second half of the fight, he won't have it. You know what I mean? When I done Super Bantamweight, it was a real struggle for me to do it. I had to be very, very lean, like veins all over my abs and stuff, and very, very lean to make the weight. And I always, I was always gassing the last three rounds. Really? Always, yes, always gassing. Yeah. And, and if someone was, if you weren't well enough in front... Or someone was going to put it on you, you might have been in trouble. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I went to uh, Vegas once with uh, Guzman, 
to make weight, he missed weight as well, and that he just wouldn't do as he was <laughs> told. Story, yeah. that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> when, at the morning of the weigh-in, I thought, and so I took him down to the sauna and I put him in the sauna, and he wouldn't stay in the sauna. I now know he didn't want to make weight, by the way. I now know he didn't want to make weight because <laughs> yeah. he wanted to beat the kid who, who had been, uh, he'd had a draw with him. Anyhow, we went in the sauna, kept him in. He come out the sauna and he got on the scales, and he was half a pound heavier. And I thought, what the fuck? So I went in the sauna and he had water in the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> I went in the sauna with him for about 20 minutes. I lost three pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad. You're going stateside again, aren't you, for uh, Tommy Cole? Tommy Cole, yeah, yeah. I've Just, worked with Tommy for years. Yeah. I like Tommy. He's like a lovely He's man. Good guy. Lovely man, isn't it? Yeah, good man. You'll be out there as well, won't you? Yeah. Think? yeah, yeah, I'll be out training and, yeah, alongside Tommy and Jimmy Moore, yeah. yeah. You can't not like Tommy. No, you can't. What do you think about the... Um... I'm surprised he's fighting again, though, since he kept... Since he did... Uh, uh, <laughs> I know, right? That was a bold, <laughs> that get away, that was a bold move. <laughs> Unreal. Play 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 to Eddie. One thing you can say yeah. for Eddie is, is, like him or, or not, he takes a joke very, oh, very well. Oh, fair play to him. Yeah. Because don't forget, he even said to Tommy, you can put it on the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tommy didn't just put it on the internet. Eddie, Eddie's giving the thumbs up. There aren't he many promoters. Yeah. One of the boys sitting with a, a ringside view, apparently, for a big man. Oh, 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 that's what I heard. Come on. Come on. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here to defend It's very really cold, though. It's very really cold. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, no, it's Finland Airport. Okay, now, boys. What do you think about the... Do you think the check weights that they've kind of brought in, like 30-day check weight, 10-day check weight, and then having kind of rehydration clauses the day after, do you think they're a positive step? Yeah, I think they're a very good idea. I do, honestly, because it stops people doing... But I've done bad practices. I've done things with boxers that I wasn't, I didn't want to do, and I said to the boxer, the manager <laughs> and the promoter, this is not good, right? And I've done it. I won't mention names, and it's wrong, you know, they're getting hit, aren't they? It's not a bodybuilding yeah, show, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? They're getting hit for a living. So the British Board of Boxing Control is probably the most fantastic board going. I'm not doing that because I'm on camera. They really are strict and stringent. And anything for the, the safety of the fighters is so important. Yeah, I do think it's, you know, it's, it's making boxers be more disciplined. Make it harder or easier for you guys? No, I think if you have to maintain and hit weights like 30 days before 10 days and, and then a few days before the weigh and I think it makes it easier you're not dropping dramatic amounts of weight especially like if you're a month out from a fight four weeks out and you have to be within I can't remember what the exact percentage is that far out but if you have to be in with a certain percentage sometimes four weeks it seems like a long time and you could be very very heavy I've known guys with still two stone to lose in four weeks yeah. a lot of check weigh-ins though some of the lads won't drink water for 12 hours so mm. they're actually trying to make weight for the, for the, yeah, for yeah, the yeah. check weigh-in and, right. and the last week where we've just been talking about dropping water you've got to understand there's a massive difference between dropping water and dehydration because mm. if you were dehydrated you wouldn't be able to drop water so don't let any of your viewers think that dropping water is like being dehydrated it's not what do you think is the kind of maximum that you would want someone of maybe, I don't know, 147 pounds? What do you think is a healthy amount for them to put on overnight? And where do you think it starts to well, get? if they've been on weight for, say, two weeks, let's pretend they've been on weight for two weeks. Yeah. And then after the weigh-in, they put <coughs> 10, 12, 15 pounds on. Then going into the ring, they're going to feel they're carrying that extra weight. Because the last two or three weeks when they've been sparring, they've been sparring at a lighter weight. But if you if you keep your weight up and drop four, five, six, seven pounds 
for the weighing and then double it up with you put on, you won't feel as heavy in the fight. Mm. I like to be, I spar, I feel like I spar best around 10 stone, 9 stone 12, I weigh in at, at 9 stone, but I, I fight most, I'm around that weight when I'm fighting, so when yeah. I win the ring, I'm about 9, 12, 10 stone. So same thing, isn't it? That's yeah. What, yeah that's, but when boxers have been on weight for too long, when they eventually put weight on after the weigh-in, they'll feel the carrying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, okay, you're watching round 14 of Tico here on Joe together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and YouTube show and we'll be with you every Thursday. Now he's Alex Payne, James Haskell and Mike Tindall from the House of Rugby. Chris, thank you very much indeed. It's just a moment or two for us to duck in and tell you about the House of Rugby. We're having a lot of fun. What are we trying to do with the show? Why should people be watching and listening? <laughs> we the are Tracy bail. trying to mix going, up. It's, this is going into another show so that people come and watch us. Oh, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, Say uh, some nice people. Right. Well, we should basically watch House of Rugby because it's unbelievable humour. We don't talk about any rugby, uh, and we give you the inside track from people who are still actually involved in rugby, not old sixty-year-olds who don't know anything. Uh, uh, you can download us via YouTube. You can no, you can, you can as you can tell, we're a very professional outfit. You can watch <laughs> us via YouTube and download us via iTunes. I hope you'll join us at some point. It's a lot of fun, really. Cheers, Alex. Uh, okay, back with Kerry Kays. Uh, we talked about strength and nutrition and, and making weight. big part of your career these days is being a cuts man in the corner. When did you first start this and how did it come about? Well, fully enough, the last fight I did was Sam Eggington against Liam Smith. And Liam Smith was the first cuts I ever did. And, really? and it was by accident. It was by accident. I was at... Um, the Trafford said, uh, uh, Old Trafford, um, either the Victoria Warehouse or Bowlers, I can't remember the, one of the fights, and Liam was doing a four- or a six-round fight, and he was with Joe Gallagher. And for whatever reason, Mick Williamson didn't turn up. And uh, Joe Gallagher said to me, Kerry, will you, will, you, will you help me in the corner? I said, of course I will. And I know the Smith brothers very well. I know Paul really well, Paul Cedar well. And uh, so it was, it was a four- or six-round, and Liam got cut. And I'd never done cuts before, and I did the cut. But I've been in the corner and watched Mick Williamson for 20 years. Do you understand what I mean? And as we all know, Mick's probably the best cutsman going. Yeah. And I'm a type of guy that, wherever I'm involved, I'm watching <coughs> and learning, you know what I mean? And, I, you know, in a couple of years' time, I want to be a cameraman now, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, like to, I like to learn, you know what I mean? That's what I do. TK so, around 16, I'll be, uh, be carrying calm. I'll be sat there. I'll be out here. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to, I like to watch and learn. So I've always I've watched Mick for years. So Liam got caught and I, and I did it and I sorted it and I quite I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the excitement of it. I, I quite liked it. Where was the cut? Can you remember? I think it was I On think it was up here. It was it was a, it was an easy cut. Okay, you know so it, so so everything was going in my favour. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. What I mean? But um, hand his head, like up, up here. Well, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't like over yeah, it was there. on his head. Yeah, oh, right, how do you okay. know? No, I'm just guessing. Right. Yeah. It was so it's an easy me. cut. Go. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, looking like Mister Knowledge over yeah. here. We had this conversation so, five minutes ago. So um, he, it was, it was, so, and I thought I enjoyed that. I really did enjoy that. But I didn't volunteer to be a cuts man. And then every now and again, somebody had said, Kenny, could you do cuts for us? Yeah, go on then. And I did it. And I um, got some very bad cuts with Sam Eggington, yeah. which I enjoyed doing. I don't know, did you see the Huey Fury cut in Bulgaria? I did. Yeah. You know, my, my hand was in his head. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> the only one I can think of worse than that is the Baddy Jack one yeah, yeah, recently. Because well, Huey's was pretty bad. Uh, Huey's so was always, really it bad. sounds a wee bit wrong when you say I enjoy doing it. He had a big one. I, I liked it. <laughs> 
yeah. Please get caught. Please get caught. <laughs> no, you're obviously dead chuffed when they don't get caught, but if, if there is a court, then get on with it and do yeah. it. And, you know, as I said before, it's not just doing courts. It's like keeping the face down and, you know, keeping the lumps down and using the iron and all that. And you've got to be dead calm and collective and then the boxer will believe in you. Mm, right. Okay. And the so referee will see it as well, that it's all in control. So take, take me from, from a first-person view... You're in the corner because obviously during the rounds, one person can be in the ring and the other two or three half minutes in the corner have to be outside. Yes. If there's a really bad cut, what's the conversation between you and the chief well, second? To, a, to... a good chief second, Jamie Moore, John Peggs, you know what I mean? Tom Cheney, they'll always say to a cutsman, do you want to get in? Do you understand what I mean? So as if you need to yeah, get yeah. in. So, and the cutsman will go, I know I'm all right. And especially if it's... Because I'm right-handed, you know, especially if, if he's cut on the on the right eye, then you can do it through the ropes. But if he's cut on the left eye, sometimes it's awkward and you're leaning over. Because you're right-handed. To, yeah, they're trying to give him a drink. Somebody's trying to take the, the gum shield out. So sometimes you're best getting in the ring. Do you know so, what I mean? So talk to me about what tools do you have on you? You get given well, adrenaline, well, well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you use adrenaline that's given to you by the British Border Boxing Control. And what I do is, because I got caught out once, I used to have my adrenaline and my swabs. And every time you do something wrong... Hopefully you learn from it, don't you? And then hopefully then you don't... And I've learned everything now, I think. So the kid got caught in 2 minutes 58 seconds. So almost... So the bell went and he's walking back to the corner and he's caught. And I had a dry swab. So I had to open the adrenaline, put the adrenaline, get the... And I probably lost 5, 6, 7 seconds, which can be important. So what I do, I have my adrenaline and I have my swabs in the adrenaline, right. and I break them off and put the lid on, so my swabs are always in the adrenaline, and I have a wristband on, and I have two swabs in, and every second round, I'll put the two swabs back in the adrenaline and take two fresh ones out. So I've got adrenaline ready, and I've got wipes in this wristband. And what you've got to do, is no point in putting adrenaline straight on the cut, because the cut's bleeding out, so it'll bleed the adrenaline out. So you've got to get your wrap and then you've got to put a compression on and then get your adrenaline and then get the adrenaline in so you're pushing the adrenaline in and stop the blood pushing it out and what is what is that adrenaline actually doing adrenaline constricts as a vasal restrictor it closes the it closes. adrenaline's not good for a boxer you know adrenaline's very bad it'll cause scar tissue and everything but the reality is you've got no option and I could never understand when the fight's finished. I always say to you guys, don't I? If you get caught when the fight's finished, I'm not going to treat it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just wipe the blood. But I don't see the point in putting adrenaline and Vaseline in a cut when the fight's over. Yeah. Right, You're yeah. just giving the doctor a problem. Yeah, of course. What does it feel like? What's the worst cut you've had? The worst cut I had was I fell down the storage once. <laughs> <laughs> completely, completely blitzed. And uh, I was a pretty bad one here. But... <laughs> In, in boxing, I've had a few. <laughs> nothing, so, nothing. Kerry, are you busy, mate? I've just I've, I've had a full. Yeah, yeah. Bring the swaps. But, I, uh, I used to have to follow John Murray out. John, I, used <laughs> I used to go out with John Murray on a Friday night. <laughs> just walking that's around the swap. That's when I learned courts. <laughs> but I, I've been, I've been lucky enough in fights that I've, I haven't had. I've had a few little nicks, but nothing major. But it's, a, it's annoying. 
What's and, the, what's the feeling like? About, that's a, you can't really describe it. It's just like you've been cut. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what the feeling is like. You mark up more than get cut. Yeah, I, I have yeah. A yeah, big, yeah, yeah, you know, lumps and bumps yeah, there's everywhere. More, there's more control in keeping the bumps down. Yeah. Because, like, Ricky Hatton had a very, like, angular face, and yeah. I feel like a sort of thin skin on, like, his cheekbones, well, very well, high also cheekbones. Here, if, like, you, if you're, if you, you'll always get cut. Yeah. Because he's got very high bones here. You yeah. know what I mean? And weirdly, we, we've, we've had Boazzi and on the show he's got like very flat features and he doesn't he's never cut at all mm. in his career and I kind of look at him and I think I don't think you're gonna yeah. I don't think he'll get cut some fighters will easily get cut yeah interesting Ricky Hatton um, I don't know if people know this uh, halfway through Ricky's career he had to have plastic surgery and what happened was he was getting cut every fight like that it was nothing and he was getting cut so they went to see a plastic surgeon they opened him up and they found inside the cut was Vaseline that had crystallised. So the doctor at some venue, probably in Ricky's early days, four, six-round fights, had not cleaned out the Vaseline. He just oh. stitched him up. The Vaseline had crystallised, so he almost had glass behind his skin. Jeez. Sometimes so, you get little nicks and stuff, and you're like, it's not really... You're like, hide a fuck did I just get cut from that shot that was like a yeah. nothing shot and it's like something's just grazed Presumably past that's the, that's the purchase of the leather on the skin rather yeah, than the Yeah, that's why Vaseline's very important. Yeah. That's why Vaseline's very important. Is that the last thing that goes over a cut? Absolutely, yeah. But Absolutely. only if you've got time, right? Yeah, well, what you've got to be doing is you do the cut, you're holding it, you're compressing it, you put the adrenaline on, then you get your towel because he can't be full of blood and the, and the referee and the opponent sees it, so then you've got to clean all the blood off while you do it. So you're doing two jobs at once. Do you understand what I mean? And then you get the Vaseline, and for the and you, you Vaseline the rest of the face, and then for the very last minute, when they go seconds away round, I go, stay, stay sat down, and then you do it, and then you get out. I suppose, because if you don't stand up, they have to come over well, and move a lot you. of the time, the, a lot of time, the boxer will be going seconds away, and he's getting up, sit down. <laughs> That's me. I, I always want to be, I want to be up kind of five or ten seconds before the bell goes, but... If you've got a cut, that's carries on. You're like, but you think about it. You know, you've only got sixty seconds. Yeah, ten seconds is a long time. Yeah, by the time the stool goes yeah, in and everything yeah, else, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're you're at work. Talk about the worst cut you've ever seen. We talked about Huey Furies, but there is, of course, a limit to what you can do Absolutely, in those sixty yeah. seconds. Yeah. What's the worst situation you've encountered? Well, I'm going to be big-headed now. I've, I've managed to control. I, I've not. I've done all right. I'm... Huey Fury was a terrible cut. I mean, yeah. a terrible cut. And he got it, he got half of it in the first round and it opened up in the second round. So he had to do another 10 rounds. You know what I mean? So that was quite a bad cut. Well, it was a terrible cut. Mm. Sam Eggington has had some bad cuts. Do you try and say to them after those 60 <clears> seconds, <throat> I mean, is it helpful if they try and stay away from, you know, a left hook or well, a right hand? That's not my job, is it? That's I know it's trainer's not. Job. No, but... that, that, that's the tactic. Yeah. A cuts man start can't start doing tactics because the cuts man's not got the knowledge to do tactics. He's not been involved in the sparring. That you know, So someone like Jamie Moore or Nigel Travis... So would you they, say to they, them... Would well, you I'd, say... I'd say to Jamie, it's a bad cut, Jamie. It's a bad cut. And then that's Jamie's job, isn't it? I, I don't expect Jamie to do my job and I'm certainly not going to try yeah. and do Jamie's job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And someone of Nigel and Jamie's level, they're on that, aren't they? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Ricky, when Ricky used to fight, Ricky, as we know, used to fight in close. Billy Grave used to say to him, when you get in close, keep your head out. Right. You know, so if you're, if you're caught and you're in close, like, why not stay there and do it? You know, keep your, oh, keep, yeah, keep, yeah. keep your head out. There's a, a famous quote from <clears throat> Arturo Gatti after what I mean, God, he just cut, you know, every fight seemingly. But it's every war, wasn't it? Yeah, I can remember 
the ref came over to him at some point and said, we're going to have to stop this because I can see the bone. And he said, well, the cut can't go any further then, can it? <laughs> but I guess there is a point where, say, someone like Baddy Jack, I mean, surely that shouldn't have gone was, on, right? How on earth was that fight allowed to go on when he had, what, four or five centimetres from sort yeah, of nose to the top of the head? It was, it was gushing as well. It wasn't like... Yeah, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't controlled, was no, it? It wasn't like, controlled. It, this, you know, we were wiping it down at the start of each round. It was like... Flooding out of his face I was in Cardiff again. about four or five weeks ago and, and the, the kid got badly cut. Billy the Kid, he's, he's uh, from Oldham. When I was I was doing it and the doctor come up and when I was doing it, I said, I promise you, doctor, I've got it in control. And the doctor looked and he let it go and, and we went through it. And Did after you? the fight... Eh? Did you have it in control? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And afterwards, uh, like um, the doctor come up to me and he, and he, you know, he said, "Well done," you know what I mean. But it was, I communicated with the mm. ref and the doctor because it, it's not just doing the cut; it's letting them know that you're in control of yeah. it. Yeah. So okay. they'll, they'll give you if they see a cut man all flapping and doing all yeah. that, they're more likely to stop the fight, aren't they? That general corner psychology is, I guess, important for you, especially like in, in the last fight. You have a couple of torrid rounds. You need to go back to a place that you presumably feel everyone's got. Yeah, pretty calm. It together. I, I like a calm. So yeah, and you look at some corners, and you oh, and you listen to the advice the corner men are giving fighters, and it's I like a few clear like things from the corner, a few like you know, a few sentences here and there. Tactics to do, maybe three maximum. Here, cornerman going, nah, 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 nah. Uh, someone's caught the cornerman's in. It's just chaos. Too many talking. Yeah, too, too many too talking. Too much talk. It needs to be one voice and someone who's clear and can say, Chris Eubanks Senior. That's what you need. Can I, can I say, his last fight, I heard the most perfect statement from the corner, Jamie Moore, to him. And I, th- I thought it summed it up perfect in trust. Jamie said to him, I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't done. Yeah. Oh, it and doesn't say much after the Macklin fight. <laughs> Flipping it. Oh, uh, but That's you know what I, mean? I thought, I was in Macklin's car, you know, against Jamie. We, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. What Madness, a fight. Isn't it? What a fight. No, but I was in Macklin's car against Jamie. Yeah, yeah. And Jamie's one of my best mates. Yeah, crazy. Mad, isn't it? And, now they, and they worked together after that, <laughs> but, of course, uh, as well. Yeah, but I thought that, that statement, I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't done. And I thought, what a, what a superb that. I said, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying I've, seen the, I've seen the Macklin fight. <laughs> wow, that's insane. What's the best fight you've ever been involved with, personally? You'd have to say the Costa Zoo fight, wouldn't you? You oh, know, the very severity of it. You amazing. know, the Costa Zoo fight. Was, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... Wow, you know what I mean? Yeah. What a, you know, what a, fight. What as, a, a fight. as a night and an event, and, you know, a, and, and obviously, a I mean, Ricky's. I'm still dining out on Ricky Hatton, aren't I? If you think about <laughs> it, but uh, you know, the Mayweather fight, even though he got beat, what what an experience that was! Mm. Flying around America in Learjets and the program 24 seven won an Emmy. Mm. You know what I mean? It was, it was a good television, that actually, wasn't yeah. it? Those well, build-up you know. shows were. Yeah, I mean, he changed the game, Mayweather. You know, didn't in, he, really? in the in the in the dressing room, Brad Pitt and Tom Jones, and you know, like David Beckham, and it was just madness. Unreal. You yeah. know, like Brad Pitt in the dressing room, the physio that, that he uses, and I I use Stuart Cosgrove, lovely love, probably the best physio on the planet. He was in the dressing room, and um, this bloke said to him, "This is true." This bloke said, "What do you do?" He said, "I'm the physio. I do that." And, he, and he, uh, Stuart turned around to the player. I said, "What do you do?" He said, "I'm an actor." He was Brad Pitt. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Class. No way. I'm an actor. Crying actor. Handsome. 
I had uh, Colin Farrell and Michael Buffer in one of those tiny York Hall changing rooms for one of for Boatsy's fourth or fifth fight. I think yeah. it must have been a Katie Taylor undercard. It's mad, isn't it? But we were sat there, and of all the places you don't expect him to be, it's Bethnal Green, right? And Josh was warming up, and then he went, Chris, who's that guy? I recognise that guy, and I look up, and there's Colin Farrell and Michael Buffer, and you need to think, what the heck? Are I, 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 can, I can, can trump is all. Daniel Day Lewis came to watch me in the Ulster Hall. Did he? Yeah, that's a big one. Well, you've been to see him. You've been to see his movies. So hard. So hard. Give and take. Where's the worst place for... We know the best place to get a cut is, is the cheek because it can't run into the eye, but have you ever had to deal with any cuts sort of on the eyelids? Well, uh, um, I actually... I was at a fight for Tommy Langford and Tom Cheney volunteered me for another fight. I can't remember the trainer and I can't remember the boxer, honestly. And he came back after the first round and he had a cut... On his eyelid there, it was literally that. I don't know how he got it, and it was like a letterbox. And when he closed his eye, you could see the white oh. apart from the blood. And the, so I had to I, think about it. Honestly, I just couldn't believe it. What I also thought is, how are they going to stitch this? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when it was just straight across. Now, when you when you're doing a cut, one of the most important things is compression. How can you? How can you? Thumb in the eye is going to make it. How could you do that? So I immediately said to the trainer, not the referee. It's not my job. I said to the trainer, "There's nothing I can do with this, and I can't put adrenaline in his eye." Yeah. Think about it. I just said to the trainer, "Mate, there's nothing you can do without this." And he said, "What shall I do?" I went, "Mate, you've got to stop it." And fair play, stopped it. So you know there are there, you know, but how we got it, I'll never know. Oh. Is there a fear from your point of view? I know you, did you get cut in the Warrington fight. It was more just bumps and bruises. Bumps and bruises. Yeah, bumps, yeah. But when you're looking and things are starting to swell and they're getting almost towards that kind of hematoma look, do you worry that a are you aware of what you look like? You get any clue about how bad it is just from no, the feeling? Not until after. No. But if you get cut, is there fear of thinking? Do you know what the referee might might stop this or? I've been in a lucky enough position that I haven't had that, like, I've had a bad enough cut to think like that. But I'm yeah. sure people, when they do have bad cuts, they do think that. And that does go through their, their minds. But I haven't been in that position yet. So hopefully, I, I've hopefully in, it doesn't I've been come. in that position where the trainer's gone, I'm going to give you one or two more rounds. And don't forget, the trainer sometimes will say that even if he's not caught, if he's getting beat badly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Does that, do you think, change the psychology of the fighter if they know? Well, he's, he's got to go out there and try and throw bombs, hasn't he? Yeah. But if he's getting beat by playing safe, he might as well get beat by throwing bombs, right? Yeah, I think I think that's right. It's quite a privilege how close you get to to see the fighters in these in these huge fights. I know you did Bellew as well for the latter stage of his career. Yeah, I've been I've been in the opposite corner to Joshua twice. Really? And that was some atmosphere. Which fighters? Dillian and uh, Dillian White and Skelton. What a fight, Dillian White! I, I was doing cuts for Dillian. Crikey! That atmosphere was incredible. Yeah, it was, and he put up a good fight as well. Yeah. Like to see that one happen again. Yeah, but you know, I, if I was Joshua, I'd stay away from him. It's a better Dillian White, isn't it? It is a better Dillian White. A better Joshua though. Right? Yeah, yeah, true. That's a fair point. Yeah. It would certainly be a fight of a different of a different caliber to what it was. It was kind of a street I'd like fight. To see, I'd like to see one of the other guys before he faced Dillian White again. He's beat him, and I know he he knocked him out pretty convincingly in the end. But Dillian White hurt him. In second that fight. round, second, second round, round. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Joshua showed a lot of bottle to come back. But you'd want to see one of the other boys, Fury or Wilder, before we see that again. Mm. I think. Good stuff. Kerry, we're going to do, before you go, our 32-second challenge uh, sponsored by 32 Red. So, essentially, it's a list of words, word association. I'm going to read them out to you, and I want you to say the first thing that comes into your head. 
Ready for this? Okay, dope. Away we go. Blood. Adrenaline. Toughest part of being a cut man? Getting in and out the ring. <laughs> Adrenaline. Blood. Nice. <laughs> Wiping a cut. Blood. Vaseline. I better not say what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Face. <laughs> Quick, Vaseline. No, I've just done that. Worst cut you've seen. Sorry. Yui Fiore. Fighter who cuts the most? Yui Fiore. Ricky Hatton. What a great lad. Billy... Sorry, too many words. Billy Graham, one more. An even better lad. Is he? <laughs> Absolutely. Great stuff, great stuff. Kerry, what a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for giving us an insight into your world. You're out a few times in the next month, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Shazora next, and then um, we've got Langford and Jack Catterall. Jack, And, and yeah. uh, Chantel. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, off to New York. Fantastic. Well, good luck, and we'll, we'll see you in New York, no doubt. As All well. right. So, Thanks thank very, you. very much for no, having me. I feel privileged. No, thank you for coming on, and thank you for watching at home. This has I've, been never been this, I've never been this close without putting Vaseline on me. <laughs> <laughs> Drink it in. What are you putting on? <laughs> After that one. Just on the face. Just on the specific face area. Nothing weird going on here. Um, Thanks to uh, Kerry Kays and Carl, as always. Uh, thank you for watching at home. TK around 14, done and dusted here on Joe. Remember to check out our other shows, House of Rugby with Alex Payne, uh, Mike Tindall and James Haskell. And, of course, Boys Don't Cry with Russell Kane. We'll be back here on Joe for TKO round 15 in seven days' time. We'll see you then. You've been listening to TKO on Joe, together with 32 Red.